Yes, welcome back to the Bus Bot Scottish Football Podcast, episode number 265 as we build ahead to the new season. We're just a matter of days away, guys. Are we excited, Craig Gamble? Very excited, very excited indeed. It's been a long, uh, I don't even know how many months has it been now since we, we last had the football, so I cannot wait, counting down the minutes, literally. Callum Fisher? Yeah, just glad to have football that I care about back. The the German stuff and the English stuff did it for a wee while, but there's nothing like getting your getting your team back for the start of the season. And Although it's been a bit weird, uh, same as Gamble, just, just can't wait to get started on Saturday. And Callum Scott as well, I've got deja vu. Callum, it was only a matter of hours ago that me and you <laughs> sat together on a Zoom call, but... Um, I didn't really make the final cut, did it? That's it, I was going to say that. That was meant to be a private call that, that nobody was meant to know about that. between <laughs> the pair of us. But no, absolutely delighted to to be back once again. And as I said, I think Fisher summed it up well, except for me, none of the football done it for me. So I can't wait for, for Saturday. Can't wait for it. Very nice. Right, guys, just a brief-ish podcast today because... We're not going to talk too much. Me and Callum Eller on the week along with Gamba did a big lengthy, I think it was 90 minutes nearly, preview to the season. We covered all 12 teams, so if you've not yet come across that, go and have a wee listen to that. First of all, we're going to talk about a few talking points that have raised our head over the last week or so. The biggest one that actually broke during our recording on Sunday was the report that Alfredo Morelos had agreed terms with Lille, although... Rangers hadn't necessarily agreed terms with the French side. So, obviously, a couple of Rangers fans on. Gamble, just kind of talk us through your current understanding of the situation and how you think it will end up. Um, I think current understanding is probably it's not quite as advanced as the, is what the, kind of, the first news it broke, that he'd agreed terms. I don't know if he maybe has had discussions with the players. It's weird that... I was kind of saying to one of my mates, like, I don't know if it's just been through playing so much football manager over the years, but you always thought that <laughs> personal terms were always agreed after the clubs had spoke to each other, but maybe that's just something that kind of happens um, in the modern game a bit more. But, Matt, see, to be honest with you, I think he'll go. Um, I think without kind of ranting a wee bit here, I'm a, a bit fed up with the situation already, to be honest. Uh, Obviously, I love Morelos. It's been a while since I think us as Rangers fans have had a player like him to to probably get behind. I think the, the club and the fans have got behind him massively. Um, he's been great for us, but he's also let us down on a, a few occasions as well. Um, I just, I don't know. I think we always seem to get drip-fed, drip-fed these kind of um, interviews he's done with, with, I don't know whether it's Colombian media or... It always seems to be we're getting a translation of what he said and it, and it always seems to be him talking about how he's got aspirations of, of leaving us. Um, he talks about going to a more competitive league, which I'd probably be able to stomach a bit more if, if we'd actually won anything with him. But don't get me wrong, he's, he's been great for us uh, for half of last season anyway. He was, he was superb, but um, I think it might just be the right time for him to go. Um, if we can get anywhere near the sort of figures that have been quoted for him, then... I think we could we could add some real strength to the team and and maybe replace the goals that obviously he's been scoring for for us with a a couple of players because I don't think we could get a like for like replacement to be honest. But uh, yeah, I got to say my gut feeling at the minute is that um, he's going to go and, and as I say it it might just be the as hard as it is for me to to say it might just be the right time for him to go. Yeah, I think he's he spent three seasons at Ibrox. He's been top scorer. 
I think at Rangers in each of those seasons and when you've got a player of of that calibre and you know as much as we talk about his temperament and all that he's clearly a very good player and given his scoring record in the Europa League uh, Callum I guess it's just the sorry Callum Fisher I guess it's just the um, you know the probably the time for him to maybe move on to to a bigger league and Rangers to get some money for him yeah um, I think just kind of following on from from what Craig was saying there I probably agree I think he, he probably is going to go Um it has been the case pretty much since the first kind of January window he was here. I think he was linked with China at that point. Um, when you know prior to Gerard coming in, when when Murty had taken over from uh, from Kishinya, he was linked with China, and then there was kind of talk. There's been talk, I think, every single window since that um, he's going to leave. Uh, I, just a, a kind of a bit like Craig. Obviously, I, I, I like Morelos. I think he probably has been the best player we've had since maybe Jelovic going that going back to the kinda the, the last kind of Walter Smith team or, or the kinda the first McCoy's team if you like. Um but I think over the last couple of seasons, particularly the first half of uh last season we were very, very reliant on him to the point where I think you saw after Christmas or well after New Year last year when Morelos was off form, players didn't really step up uh, and his goals obviously dried up and as I say, for me, he's a terrific player, um, and I think, but I would agree with Craig there, he has let us down on in, in, in certain occasions. So, if we can get, and I think we can get the maximum or our maximum value for him, um, due to obviously, I think Leal are selling one of their players off to Napoli for about 50 million or something like that, reported. So, I think we can get maximum value, and I think what it does do um, would be it would allow us to to invest in the squad. Obviously, we, we would probably need one or two strikers, <clears throat> excuse me, um, to come back to come in. But um, I think it means as well that we can look at other kind of areas, um, such as the midfield, and and obviously I still maybe we can out another centre half as well, where we can invest serious money in the squad. So. As disappointed as I will be to see him go, because as I say, he's a terrific player. I think it prevents, uh, sorry, it presents a very good opportunity um, for us to to freshen the squad up. And actually, I think what it might do is it, it gets guys like Aribo, Hadji, Kent, um, these kind of forward players, even Defoe. Obviously, but when he's fit, it, it maybe it maybe gets the message through to them that there's nobody that they can rely on anymore to dig us out of a hole you know they've got to do it themselves and this is a massive season for Rangers anyway and I actually think in a roundabout way provided we get the right money and, and we reinvest it well which are two major ifs that this could be something in the long run that actually benefits more than hinders us yeah, in terms of Morelos' valuation, I won't ask these two dafties because we'll end up with a <laughs> 30 or 40 million getting mentioned I'll ask the impartial Callum Scott what he thinks of a a reliable, or, sorry, not a reliable, a, a respectable value for Morelos, given the current financial situation that football finds itself in, and also given that certainly this 2020 hasn't been the player he was in 2019. No, I mean, it's always a hard one to put, to put a value in players, especially in the, the modern era. But for me, I think that, well, this is not how much I think that I would pay for him, but like in regards to the, the modern game, I think they should be going for minimum 15, but I would be looking for 20 or whatever. I, I don't think that's ridiculous to ask for that. Um, particularly, as I said, with, with the way modern football is, we kind of touched on it in the podcast in regards to like, Lyndon Dykes and stuff, about is he really worth 20 million? No, but in the modern game, then why should they not be asking for that? When you see 
I know we'll probably come on to it, but obviously the, the Peterborough striker, the, the kind of money they're looking for him. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see why. I think the minimum Rangers should be selling him for is fifteen. Um, but I would be asking for for as close to twenty million as you could get. Um, the only thing I would be probably be saying more than that uh, if he was a player that that he is most weeks because there's no doubt that he's an unbelievable finisher. Not as much as in like well goal scorer opposed to finisher. I would I would change that actually. Um, scores goals. He scores them in Europe as well. But the big issue being. Obviously, the the Celtic thing that will always always go against him, which is a frustration for him, and also um, his disciplinary record, which which is a shame because he is a top top quality striker. And to be fair, I'll be happy to see the back of him, man, because his goal scoring record against Kelly is ridiculous. <laughs> I think he scored two hat tricks against us or something. So, um, he's no, nah, I would be minimum fifteen million, but I would be looking for as close to twenty as I could get. I don't think that's unreasonable. The point I was making the other day, the amount is irrelevant in, a, in many ways for Rangers it's all about what they do with the money they bring in and whether they spend it wisely to replace them and you know there's plenty of options out there so it may not be the, the end of the world if he goes as a couple of you guys have said right the subject to pay-per-view games and you know this one is certainly raised its head this week going into this week it was certainly felt and reported in the past that Games would only be available to season ticket holders this season, like home matches they could watch on streams. However, it then emerged that clubs would be able to sell home games to non-season ticket holders as long as the matches aren't on Sky. So you would think that most teams would be doing this. However, KC, Hibs are an exception. I I mean, it's... Um... It's news is pretty pretty ridiculous when it comes to it. Well, the decision that's been made, obviously, that Hibs will not be uh, broadcasting the the Kilmarnock game on Saturday, which is firstly it's a slap in the face to to the likes of myself who who would have been in attendance at the game along with thousands of other Kelly fans who would have been there, especially the first game of the season. Um, it, you would take kind of a healthy crowd up there. Obviously, in our circumstances, that's not possible. So you think, right, worst case, we, we get to watch it uh, in a stream, especially after Kilmarnock have, have released it. They'll be broadcasting all the games um, for a uh, pay-per-view, £12.50, which I think is, is very reasonable. Um, and then uh, I was all all happy. And then you, you go and read the hub statement. They said, aye, well, we'll be showing certain games, but we're not showing the first game of the season against against Kilmarnock. Um, so, but as I said, not even just for Kelly fans, one of the big issues as well, you're talking about Hibs fans who can't afford a season ticket just now, mm-hmm. yeah. or, or who can't justify the money for a season ticket more than anything, and you know, we could talk all day, but in the current climate, like, you know, some people, they can't afford season tickets anyway, I mean, it's a lot of money to fork out anywhere between about three, five, six hundred pounds, um, but in the current climate, we, we had the COVID, and obviously a lot of people losing their jobs, a lot of people in furlough, a lot of uncertainty, they can't they, they can't justify that kind of money. Um, as I say, I've been fortunate enough that I've been working throughout it, and I've been able to renew my season ticket. No, no problem at all. But it's it's like that for for the home fans as well. And and I've been it's been good to see a lot of the Habs fans have been have been criticising the club for it. And I I I think that it should be because it just it just makes absolutely no sense for me. It's just. It's. I thought when the news first came out, I go, "Is that one of last by the weekend?" They would rethink that idea. They've just been too rash and not really thought it through. But as I said at the time of recording, we're we're kind of twenty eight on a Wednesday night, and there's still nothing changed. So therefore, I can't see yeah. anything changed come Saturday. 
Yeah, the reasoning that Hibs are given in their statement is that they want to protect the value of their season ticket holders. Now, that basically means, from my take anyway, is that they don't want people who haven't paid hundreds of pounds for a season ticket to be able to come in, pick and choose their matches and probably pay a lower amount per match than a season ticket would be. Do either of you, know, you guys see their point at all or am I you know, stretching to find I, it? I could kind of see their point if they were talking about actual tickets like people being able to attend the game yeah. but when you're talking about the fact everybody's in a, an unprecedented situation a lot has just kind of fallen on for what Casey said a lot of, a lot of folk won't have been able to um, renew their season ticket some fans might have even been sa- saving up for their first season ticket and then might have lost their jobs unfortunately or, or been put on furlough or whatever it just seems a bit bizarre and as well just from a kind of business point of view from Hibs like they're, they're turning away revenue from non-season ticket holders and away fans in this case obviously Kilmarnock supporters so it just it doesn't really it doesn't really make much sense to me and you know don't want to go over the top but like Hibs were a club mind they were they were talking about um, wearing the kind of NHS stuff on their on their top and all that um, which was obviously well intentioned but a shrewd PR move they've kind of just completely contradicted themselves here because whilst they want to like praise rightly like NHS staff and things like, and you know key workers that have helped people through this people that have struggled through this that it could be one of the best things that's happened to them in weeks as their team coming back to play are being told well actually you don't matter quite as much as season ticket holders and you can't see the game just purely from like just kind of talking about their own supporters so to me it's a bit of a bit of a bizarre situation I was kind of hoping like Casey you would see a bit of a a change of heart from Hibs but you know we're, we're almost two days away for the game and it hasn't happened so it just seems a bit a bit weird but the whole summer kind of or the last few weeks certainly from Hibs perspective seems to have been a bit up and down so but that that would just be it from from my perspective yeah, I mean, I heard Jack Ross the other day um, saying that people were too quick to have a go at Hibs for spending money in Kevin Nisbet because I think he said six or seven players plus Flo Camberry have, have left the club or are going to leave the club. But I mean, this is a club who have spent a quarter of a million on a player this summer and, you know, cut back staff and put folk in furlough. So it just doesn't add up. Um, stepping away for Hibs for a minute, Gamble, what do you think of the overall pay-per-view thing? We've got... I think the lowest amount, uh, Motherwell, £12 per game. Livingston are the highest at the moment, £20. Um, I think Rangers and Celtic are yet to announce whether they'll even do pay-per-view. I kind of think they maybe won't. Just out of, It's different, obviously, at Celtic and Rangers to every other club in the Premiership, but I kind of feel like they won't want to risk things going wrong, um, given the numbers who will be on the streaming services um, of season ticket holders. I mean, what do you make of the whole situation? Because it does seem really fractured. Some teams doing it, some teams not. Some charging £12, some charging nearly double that. Yeah, I think um, I remember us speaking about it actually in kind of one of the earlier podcasts um, that we done or that we kind of brought it back. It, it was something that we'd said you couldn't really get your head around why they wouldn't. Um, provide an option for fans to essentially virtually pay at the gate, if you like. Um, I would like to see, I get what you mean, obviously the the numbers-wise when it comes to Rangers and Celtic are going to be um, a lot bigger, um, and that brings its own issues, I suppose. Um, I think we spoke about it before, it would have been good to see if they maybe just brought in a kind of blanket set it at maybe 15, I don't know, somewhere in between mm. um, the, the kind of figures. When you're getting towards 20 quid, it's... 
it's a, it's a bit much, isn't it, for um, essentially just oh, completely 90 right. minutes of, of sitting in your house. Um, but then again, some fans might see it as obviously an opportunity to, if they can't afford maybe a season ticket, um, the odd game here and there um, feel like they're kind of giving something to the club to help out. And um, it's obviously going to be a temporary thing. How long that's going to be, we're not sure. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty happy to see the the option for that come in because, as I say, we did mention that being a bit kind of right. We got the sky uh, in the in the streaming side of things kind of sorted out, but then it was almost like giving with one hand, taking with the other, uh, and saying that I mean you can't have like one off games, which is going to have an effect on certain clubs. But then again, in this instance, and I know we've already touched on it there with the, with the Hibs thing. Um, it was good news and then some kind of baffling news um, that, that they're not going to be providing it for uh, the first game of the season. Um, but yeah, no, overall, I think it's, it's, it's a positive thing. Because uh, as I say, that it's it's something that um, some clubs are, are definitely going to feel the hit from not being able to uh, get the kind of gate receipts in. Yeah, definitely. Right, on to some interesting comments that I wanted to include in the podcast made by one of our favourite referees, Kevin Clancy. Now, he was quoted earlier on in the week as saying the following, I can guarantee that the referees officiating know exactly what's at stake this season. We are under no illusion that every decision in almost every game is going to be scrutinised to a level that even the media probably haven't seen for a long time. We really do know what is at stake Fisher, what do you make of these comments? And my kind of other question to you is, is being a ref this season, certainly the start of the season, when there's going to be no fans in the ground, does that make your job easier or harder? Um, firstly, on the comments, I can understand where he's coming from. The, the way I think it was, I think the headline was he was they were kind of trying to make it that it was in regards to like Celtic going for 10 in a row and stuff like that, which if you read the kind of comments, he doesn't actually really allude to that. I think he maybe... I, I can I can maybe understand that's maybe where these comments are coming from, but he doesn't really mention that in the article. Um, I mean, the Rangers and Celtic, the referees are like scrutinised a ridiculous amount anyway. So, I, yeah, I can kind of see where he's coming from, but I, I think it will be. I, I think this season is the title race anyway is going to be is going to be close, and and it may come down to refereeing decisions. But I mean, you've seen it the past couple of seasons after old firm games and stuff like that like I think it's already at a level that it maybe wasn't at before and maybe that is because you know Celtic going for, for 10 titles Rangers coming back up trying to stop them trying to go for our first title in, in almost 10 years uh, now it will be obviously by the end of this season so um, yeah I can I can kind of see where he was coming from I think it, it maybe could have been phrased a little bit better but certainly the pressure is going to be on, but the pressure is going to be on probably Rangers and Celtic players like they've never experienced it before either. I think the whole thing is just going to be, it's, it's probably not going to be something that we've ever kind of really experienced as fans either. So certainly if we're coming into the last weeks of the season and it is going down to, to maybe the last Old Firm game after the split or the last couple of games after that game in the split, the pressure is going to be absolutely intense um, and they will get scrutinised. And I mean, if you can... Can you imagine if a referee makes a mistake that maybe gives Rangers the title or hands Celtic the title on the last day? Like it, it probably is going to be pretty, pretty horrible to be honest to be a referee in that mm-hmm. situation. So I can completely understand it. Um, on your second point, again, just going back to watching maybe games down south and and in Germany and elsewhere, I actually felt the referees let the game flow a little bit better without any fans because I don't think with 
and not to say that referees are, are biased or anything like that, but I think referees can be swayed just by shouts and the and the kind of the noise of the crowd and stuff like that. Whereas I think referees seemed a bit more assured in their decisions, and they they, they seem to be, even if it was a wrong decision to the TV cameras or whatever, the referees still kind of seem to be hundred percent in their decisions, which I I definitely don't think you can always say for Scottish referees anyway. So. I think having no fans, as I say, at least means referees are going to go with their instincts rather than the crowds. And I think because the the, the players don't have like a, a crowd behind them, that can mean that like their, their appeals to the referee maybe don't hold as much sway as it would. Because if you've got two or three players roaring at you and say, you know, for example, Ibrook's like 50,000 folk as well, then... Mm-hmm. Just by human nature, that's got to have pressure on you. So I think it might make the games flow a wee bit better. Um and obviously the pressure on referees whilst still intense in the first couple of weeks is maybe going to be a wee bit different and as I say we might see um, just better better games of football because of it Yeah, so no fans for, for referees to contend with no VAR as well obviously I mean that's stating the obvious for Scottish football that we don't have VAR but I think you need to remind yourself that because I feel like every football game I've watched in the last three or four months has just had VAR because it's obviously been the major league, so just need to remind ourselves that any bad decisions made by referees will be final. Uh, just briefly, Casey, I'll get your thoughts on this, because it is a couple of days old now. Hearts and Partick Thistle lost their case in arbitration, and they, as well as Stranraer, um, have had their relegations confirmed, so Hearts will be in the Championship next season, Thistle in League One, and Stranraer in League Two. Um I guess it's just been a bit of a, a kind of ho- horrible saga basically for the last few months that's been spoken out by so many people and has led the headlines all the way through the coronavirus pandemic basically from a Scottish football point of view and I guess we're just kind of happy that it's all over now and we can move on. Absolutely. I mean, it's obviously easier for me to say that there was nothing at stake for, for my club, um, unlike even yourselves. Um, I mean, it's it's... It was never ever going to be a, a situation that anybody was ever going to be happy with. Like everyone was going to be happy with. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, the way it pla- played out, and then when the obviously the controversy with the voting and stuff. But but once that was done, with you knew that there was no way that Hearts and Thistle were going to win in court. I just like I don't, a few people seemed confident it would happen. I just I could never see it. I could never but see. Even Ann Budge said that. It was a an uphill task of whatever phrase she used. I know, and as I said, it was like, and I, could, I couldn't see any of the, the compensation getting, getting given either. To be honest, so no, it's 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 as I said. I mean, it's it's unfair, but as I said, for the word go, I mean, if you've got to punish somebody, it's no fair to punish the teams that have done well. I mean, if you're bottom of the league for a reason, there's got to be losers. You you, you can't take that away for people at the, the top end and, uh, and 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 know the bottom for me. Um, as I said, that there would probably be more to say about it after if the title race was closer in Scotland as well. That there would have been a lot been said about that, and I'm no that's not me having a dicker in and just just in general. I mean, because the whole thing in Scotland was mainly the relegations for for both Hearts and Thistle. I know Wraith Rovers and Falkirk were in the the promotion push, but I just uh, it, as in uh, it's easy for me to say I'm happy it's by way, but it wasn't my club affected. See, see if Kamala were to get relegated under those circumstances. Like I would, I would be fighting it as well and saying ah, it's ridiculous. We still games to play, which it was. But but the, the main point that I need to reiterate, I think that if there's got to be losers, it's got to be teams at the bottom. It can't be teams at the top. Like, like that's just the final for me. Um, and as that, I said, that, that, that's yeah, 
That's how I feel about it as well. I think it's a, a really difficult situation, completely unfair in Hearts and even more unfair in Thistle, who I think were game a hand. point or two behind and had a game in hand. So completely unfair in them. Um, Strunar really were, were well adrift at the bottom of League One, I think. Um, so, as I say, completely unfair. The ideal situation um, or solution would have been for reconstruction and, and no team to have uh, you know, exited this situation worse off than they were before. Sadly, our football teams couldn't come together and, and agree in reconstruction that basically I think fans want um, reconstruction. I, I get that there's certain things that you have to have in place in the Premiership. You still need four derby matches in Glasgow, all that kind of thing. Um, but I think you know a solution could have been put forward. And I think it actually was by hearts that would have kept things like that in place. So disappointing that, that couldn't happen. But I agree with you, Casey, in terms of if it's a choice between, you know, Hearts, Thistle and Stranar staying up or in, um, in Dundee United, you know, Cove Rangers, etc., not getting promoted or what happened, then I think what we've got at the moment is is fairer. Because I think you've got to reward teams who have been doing well last season rather than teams that have been struggling. But not an ideal situation. Sky Sports have announced their plans for the new season. Now, we already knew there was going to be 48 games live on the channel this season. They have binned Chris Commons, hallelujah. They've also got rid of Hayley McQueen as well with Ailey Barber taking her place. Also coming in on the pundit side of things are Darren Fletcher, Ali McCoist and John Hartson. Sky have also announced that they'll be doing augmented or fake crowd noise as we'll know it. And finally, they're going to rival us in the podcast stakes because they've got a new Sky Premiership podcast out as well. Gamble, what's your thoughts on all of that? Uh, pretty positive news on uh, on the whole isn't it I think uh, one thing probably we spoke about certainly and, and quite a lot of Scottish football fans when the news came out that BT Sport obviously weren't going to have any coverage of the games was that we hoped that Sky would kind of um, I suppose pick up uh, where BT Sport kind of set the bar for um, coverage of our game I think um, and it, yeah I think it, it looks like that doesn't it in, in terms of the, the pundits have got in um, I think from do you, do you want, let's let's go by them one by one then. Right. Uh, right, so who have we got? We're glad to see Commons go I take it. Aye. Not gonna be yeah. not gonna lose any sleep over Chris Commons not being on the T V to be honest. McFadden any good? I think mm. McFadden's fairly harmless. I think he's alright. <laughs> Is, I don't uh, think you. I I suppose aye, that's a fair comment. I don't I, think you're, I don't think you're getting anything groundbreaking off him, but yeah. I think he's I think he's fine. McCoy's a good capture for Sky. That, aye, I think McCoy's. Um, I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and sing John Hartson's praises, but <laughs> uh, I think in terms of characters, certainly McCoy's and Hartson will be good value. Yeah, I think I think McCoy's. I mean, I've got a picture up to my left of McCoist, so <laughs> unashamed kind of fanboy of Ali McCoist here. I, I think he's a really good pundit. Don't maybe think he's as good by that. I mean, I think he's good when you're watching a game. I think he's good at commentary and analysing the game. I think maybe some of his opinions uh, in regards to certain situations maybe aren't the best, but I, I think McCoist is a brilliant get, and I'd have been sad if he wasn't involved with in some way with the coverage. Do you think they're missing a trick by not putting him as a, a co-commentator? Because for me, that's when he's at his best. Like you think back to the World Cup, him and John Champion oh, were brilliant. Were brilliant, Aye. and he's you know he's in a different level to Andy Walker or even I don't know David Proven. David Proven's all right. He's better than Andy Walker, but I mean that Andy Walker, the, the prospect of him 
um, you know, being the co-commentator for every Premiership game that's in telly yeah. this coming season is a is a scary one because for me, as much as BT's um, studio coverage, I know they weren't necessarily in a studio; they were kind of outside. But as much as that side of their game was brilliant and probably got most of the praise, the thing I probably liked most about them was they had like three. Yeah. Um, people in the commentary box so you had Rory Hamilton and then you had maybe two people so like maybe Michael Stewart Stephen Craig or Chris Sutton or, or even McCoy's maybe did the odd game so I just wonder if Sky would go down that route it doesn't seem like they will judging for that statement it sounds like it will be Ian Crocker and, and Andy Walker but um, I, I just hope they, they do well by, by the same token I hope that maybe in the studio they have more than just two pundits they maybe have three or whatever like like BT did because I just think there's so much they can learn from BT and hopefully they're taking it seriously um, you know with the podcast and all that kind of thing and I think the highlights are going to be on at like six o'clock on Sky Sports News on a Saturday evening and all that kind of thing so hopefully they're, they're ready to take it seriously would you go along with that Casey? No absolutely um, I mean the main thing you're looking for is I'm not a Cut short old firm coverage um, after after five minutes to broadcast whatever Bournemouth. No, well, Bournemouth. True, I, I was going to say Bournemouth versus Watford. Lincoln or something. Ah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say Bournemouth Watford for a Super Sunday, but then I forgot both those have actually just been relegated. Shows how much I yeah. actually care about English football. But no, I, again, j- just in regards to, to the pundits and that, I, I think that I really like Ali McCoist. Um, I th- obviously, I think, I think he's, he's always good value. I'm, I'm not a fan of John Hartson, to be honest. I don't like him. I really don't like John Hartson. I'm still bitter about the League Cup final. Andy's also blocked me on Twitter, so I'll just get that. He's blocked me on Twitter as well. So. I, I, that was actually a study we done that day. It was the same day Oliver Buck signed for uh, Leipzig, I think. So, and John Hartson came out with like, some ridiculous thing about how he's better go to West Brom. Turned out to end up going to West Brom a couple of years later or whatever. But So, the, that was more like actually a kind of. Um, I study that day to see if John Hartson would block you and, and obviously me and Fisher are both uh, are both mm. statistics for that so no mm-hmm. all, all in uh, I, I, th- I think it's um, I, a good move and, and the podcast refreshing weekly and stuff and see how well they got on with it. obviously Chris Boyd I mean he kind of struggles to put a sentence together at times as well So and he's blatantly biased uh, every time he's on so oh, no, I'll be interested to hear what, what Boyd's like next season Right, well, Sky Sports will broadcast the first game of the Premiership season, Saturday afternoon, 12.30 kickoff. It's Aberdeen against Rangers, a pretty good way to start the season. Um, tough fixture, obviously, for both teams. Rangers have struggled a bit at Pataudry over the last few years. I think it'd be fair to say. A few good results in there as well, but probably one of the hardest games that, that Rangers could have got, Craig. I Well, definitely. It's um, Apart from playing Celtic at, at Parkhead it is uh, our hardest fixture um, and certainly the last couple of seasons I've, I've shown that uh, in games against Aberdeen um, it's obviously going to be weird the, the the obvious thing is without the fans being there um, I know a lot's made about it's weird, it's weird that isn't it like, just, even just considering that it's a I, strange thought I, it was I've, even weird see watching like pre-season games obviously at like Ibrox and that just seeing nobody there it's just yeah. it's a different um, thing I think when you're used to actually going to these grounds as opposed to like you're just seeing it in other countries, so it doesn't really like, well, it does matter, but it's not the same. But certainly seeing it in the place where you take to go like, every couple of weeks is just mental to me. Strange, but um, I obviously I, I, a lot's been made about um the levels of Aberdeen performances against other teams and compared to the levels of their performances against Rangers. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see without their, uh, the, the fans backing them what that uh, performance is like against us. Um, I think it'll be a good game, to be honest. I think uh, I'm confident Rangers will win. Uh, but I, it's a yeah, out with, um, which was never going to happen, playing Celtic away from home. It's as tough a game as you can get to, to start the season. But then again, um, without the fans being there, I, I've definitely been one for the argument that you get this game out of the way um, and, and hopefully it's three points as well. Rangers will win that, won't they, Fisher? Uh, well, I, I made a bit Say of a yes. tongue-in-cheek uh, <laughs> tongue uh, comment about uh, about how the game's likely to go in our group chat earlier. Um, I'm confident, I mean, we've had a good, I know, in the grand scheme of things, pre-season doesn't really matter, but in saying that, we've probably had the best pre-season we possibly could have had. One every game, not conceded a goal, and actually looked pretty good. Um, I know Gerard's record against Aberdeen isn't great, but a lot of the time I think it's been our own undoing. Um, don't get me wrong, Aberdeen have had a couple of good performances in there as well, but a lot of the time we've just not been able to either put them away or we've kind of get sucked into the game. They like to play. I don't mean to be patronising to Aberdeen, but they're not really renowned for sparkling football, and I think we can get sucked into try to counter that too often, particularly um, sometimes at Petodri, as opposed to trying to play our own game. Um, but I'm excited for it. I think, obviously, with the Morelos stuff, it'll be interesting to see mm -hmm. if he's still here, if he plays, and all that sort of thing. But I'm just delighted that you know my team's back and there's something to to watch. I'm a bit nervous, but. I'm quietly confident that we can that we can hopefully get the job done. Yeah, it's usually quiet when Morelos goes to Petodri, isn't it? So it's probably not too much to, <laughs> one, to worry. Is one there. last job for him: just get McKenna <laughs> sent off, and he can go. He can score and get nah, McKenna sent off, and he's away. He's been he's been good at that in the past. Right, Saturday three o'clock, Dundee United St Johnson. Interesting game. I don't know if this deal has gone through yet at the time of recording, but I believe Craig Conway could make his debut in this match for St. Johnson against his old club, Dundee United, the team that he scored a double in to win them the, the Scottish Cup back in 2010. Uh, good signing for St. Johnson that, I think. I know Conway's getting on, but the kind of experience they probably need to add to their team after losing, um, you know, players like Stephen Anderson and, you know, a few others that they've, they've lost from um, the end of last season obviously losing the main man as well Tommy Wright so interested by that one big one at 3 o'clock as far as you're concerned KC comes at Easter Road we've already spoken about the fact you won't be able to see the game but how do you think it's going to go and how indeed are you going to keep up to date with what's happening is it going to be open all mics or is it going to be the, <laughs> the Twitter the Twitter feed of official Kelly Aye, well, I, I think it'll be a case of uh, trying to go on the dark web somewhere to, to finish stream for this game. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, um, no, I th I'm, I'm looking forward to it, as, to touch on the, the whole atmosphere aspect of it. Um, more so for Rangers and Aberdeen, I think that's going to be really, really interesting to just see it with no fans, because obviously Patodge is always poisonous atmosphere, and actually been that in a good way, believe it or not, a poisonous atmosphere, I like that. Uh, but... Uh, bit of bite to the game so no obviously it's the road I'm not saying there's any great rivalry between Kelly and Hibs which, which there isn't but I mean just it'll be interesting to see I know we kind of spoke about earlier about but statistically I think like the balls like in Germany and England balls stayed in play longer than it usually does uh, as in there's been less corners throw-ins and stuff due to the fact that you know what I could only assume is crowd pressure to like uh, put the ball into an area um, to, mm -hmm. to kind of get it out your feet or whatever and Fans get frustrated with 
with taking too long to pass the ball. So I think it'll be interesting to see you know, teams take an extra touch, passing back the way and that instead of just saying, I'll lump it up into an area and, and see what happens. So no, oh, um, in regards to our game, I'm I'm hopeful. Obviously I said in the last podcast that Backman would be a killer player by the Hibs game. Unfortunately that deal's fell through and totally dead in the water now, but that's more down to Watford. It's understanding that even the, the man himself is, is gutted that it's fell through. So uh, obviously Danny Rogers signed for Kelly promising a couple of years ago, hasn't played much first-team football at top flight. I think he's only played like seven games for Aberdeen. But that's down to Aberdeen having good goalies. Uh, obviously, Joe Lewis is always in that top bracket. So, uh, I think we haven't getting a run of games that could do well. And as I said, I'm confident to go to Easter Road and, and get a result. Good, yeah. St Mirren, Livingston. The other game I'm tipping Livingston for a big win there. I'm tipping Livingston for big things this season, guys. Casey knows that for the season preview on Sunday. But... I think they're going to be the, the star team. They're going to stun everyone again. And I think they'll go off to a winning start against the, the Buddies on uh, Saturday afternoon. So, Mirren, by the way, a good signing they made earlier in the week, Marcus Fraser. I think he might do quite well. Uh, I think Ross County wanted to keep him, but he, he fancied a move to, to St Mirren Park. I, th- so, I think it's St Mirren's business to, to come in there, sorry. Like, yeah. um, it's quite interesting with a three out of their potential back four are pretty versatile. Uh, you've got Fraser, Tate, and Shaughnessy, who can all play multiple positions mm. across the back four, which is which I think is is, is quite a shrewd move from them. Because uh, obviously, you get Fraser that can play centre half or right back. Shaughnessy the same, and then Tate either full back and probably do a shift at centre back in the back three or something. So um, no, I, I think that uh, St Mons transfer business has actually been been pretty good. Uh, still, I think that they'll, they'll struggle. I think that they're severely lacking. I don't think they've got a left back, and the well, obviously, well Tate. Was hopefully play there but I, I think after them that he's only a youth player or something and I think they've only still really got a beaker up front as a striker so uh, I, I think that defensively they could be alright but uh, in which is you'd expect a gym good when team to be kind of well drilled that way anyway so oh, I think it would be an interesting one and regards to Livy um, I'm with you now after I picked my fantasy team and I've got like three Livingston players in it which is the maximum you can get so uh, I, no, I, I think they could have a, a, another good season again their recruitment's been very good you want to come in there, Gamble? I was just literally going to say uh, exactly what Casey was saying. I think uh, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, obviously, as you you guys have both touched upon, interesting to see whether Livy can kind of uh, continue the momentum that they gathered last season. Obviously, had a great season. Um, I think they will as well. Um, but St Mern, what well, as Casey said, their transfer business has been good. Um, I know Tony Fitzpatrick maybe had a bit of fun poked at him for his. Uh, <laughs> outlandish comments but see to be honest why not do you know what I mean when you look at Livingston um, with, with the kind of budget they've got the squad they've got don't get me wrong I do think it's better than St Mern's but um, why shouldn't he be aiming for that um, I had to laugh as well at Alan Stubbs coming out and saying like oh he hasn't learned from comments he made before um, to be fair I think they've had a slightly better transfer dealings this summer than, than he had when uh, when he was there so Mm-hmm. Um, I I think St Mern, uh, it'll be interesting to see, as Casey said as well, and I was going to say, I think they would maybe need to strengthen in a couple of other positions as well, but so far they're tra- I'm sure St Mern fans will be will be chuffed with their uh, transfer dealings and, and hopefully they can, um, a few of my mates here St Mern fans, all they want is just a season where they don't have to be constantly worrying right up until the last day, so um, we'll see, we'll see, but I think, yeah, as I say, it's been positive signs for them so far. That's your lot for Saturday. Then, guys, we will have the beauty of sports scene. 
on uh, I think 7pm Saturday night covering the first four games of the season we're all really looking forward to that that novelty um, or it will be a real novelty that sitting down with your, your dinner with a few cans on Saturday night watching the highlights of the games literally hours after they finished then we move on to Sunday 4.30pm kickoff strange kickoff time don't know if that would have been the kickoff time if fans were in Celtic Park but it is Celtic Park for Celtic versus Hamilton Probably the easiest start Celtic could have got on paper. I think if they don't win that game, then there may be a bit of trouble coming Neil Lennon's way because that's um, the kind of start you want to the season. I expect that one to be 3 or 4 now. And then on Monday night, we've got Ross County versus Motherwell. Interesting TV choice, this one, I think. I mean, when you look at the games on Saturday with Dundee United versus St Johnson, a local derby, or even Hibs against Kilmarnock, two big sides, would that maybe have been a, a better choice for TV Fisher, or am I just being picky? Uh, well, I think, obviously, Motherwell being the third third team in the league last season, it was probably predictable that they would be on the telly for the first kind of weekend, um, given the kind of new format that, that Sky have got. Personally, I think Hibs, Kilmarnock, out with Aberdeen Rangers is probably the pick of the games for me there, not, not to to rub it in that Casey already can't see it that I'm advocating that it should be on the telly but I think that's probably certainly Kilmarnock over the past couple of seasons have been um, one of the more interesting teams in the top flight um, and I'm not just trying to get in good with Casey here I do generally mean that and obviously Hibs, Hibs with the team they've got are, are a decent side to watch as well but it should be interesting I mean I, I don't think it'll be the greatest game of football we've ever seen but it'll be interesting to see as we spoke about, or as we have spoken about in a couple of pods, if if uh, Motherwell can start the season and um and can kind of continue the trend of last season, whereby they, they were a much better footballing team um, than they had been previously. So I mean, I'll I'll be watching. Well, I'll be watching all the games until Celtic inevitably go one 0 up. But I mean, I'll be <laughs> I'll be I'll be watching Ross County Motherwell as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I can understand obviously why there's maybe other games that you would fancy first. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing Ross County Motherwell actually because I think Ross County have done an, you know a couple of interesting bits of business. The boy Kelly from Rangers and the fellow whose name now escapes me that they've signed for Gillingham um, that I thought was a, a centre mid but was was playing in the left wing the other day. So uh, Regan Charles Cook, that's his name. So it'll be interesting to see what, what he has to offer and a few other signings they've made. So as I say, that's Monday, 7.45pm kickoff. Our weekend review may drop before then, depending on when we're free and all that kind of stuff. We may um, we may decide to record after the Celtic game or whatever, but we'll see what happens there and we'll keep you updated. Fantasy football, guys, are we all signed up, got our teams ready, etc., etc.? All good Not to go. Not for me. I'm still, I'm still stewing it over, but I'll be good to go for the start of the season. I'm still swithering over the 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 moral choice of having a Celtic player in my team, but apart from that, I'm I'm ready. No chance for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've not made your team yet, like Gamble, you can do so by downloading the Fancy Football Scotland app. Obviously, it didn't work out last year, but uh, I think we were speaking just before the podcast recording, saying we've been really impressed by the app. It seems to be. Um, much cleaner, working much better and yeah, the whole system, we're looking at the rules earlier, seemed to be quite clear um, quite similar just to the, the ones we've probably all done in the past down south and that kind of thing and um, yeah, just if you've not yet managed to sign up, just get it, it's only on the app, you can't get it on um, your internet explorer or whatever, you need to download the app, create a team and if you want to join the Burst Ball League which has been set up 
um, by the guys at Fantasy Football Scotland. You can do that. All you need to do is go into Join League and um, search for Burst Ball, one word. So do that. I think there's about 400 folk in the league. So it's, uh, it's certainly going to be very, very tasty and just something else to get you excited about ahead of the new season. But hopefully everything we've spoken about over the past 45 minutes or so will have whetted the appetite severely ahead of the big start. Saturday, 12.30pm kickoff. It gets underway with Aberdeen versus Rangers and it runs all the way to Monday night with Ross County versus Motherwell. We'll speak to you very soon to round up all the action from the first weekend and knowing Scottish football, you just know that there's going to be loads of talking points. It's going to be brilliant to have it back.